You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, a championship comes to North Carolina, the Nationals win the World Series, and the NCAA takes the first steps towards allowing players to make money. We'll recap the NFL and NCAA weekends and give our picks for the upcoming weekend. We also discuss our current picks for the college football playoff, and finally, we'll talk about the local marksman hockey's explosive start on the rink. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the hometown crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country in our backyard of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. And I am Heather. Matt can't be here this week, but we do have a special guest host, friend of the pod, Josh, joins us, filling in for Mac. Josh, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hey, what's up? I'm Josh. Uh, I'm an avid sports fan, have been since I've been in diapers. I pretty much watch every sport that isn't the MLS. Uh, I won't even lie about that. I am uh, a definitely biased Packers and USC fan, uh, and I've been rooting for the Warriors, so that means basketball season shot for me. Yeah, mm. Curry's out, Clay's out, Durant's gone. Do you have any other players? Iggy? Uh, yeah, we got that guy from uh, Sacramento, Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah, that's it. So what's going on? We're almost into November. It's Halloween as we record this. Uh, baseball wrapped last night. Hockey and basketball have started. And football's in full swing. It's kind of like a peak uh, sports time. The equinox, yeah, it's beautiful. Sunday was the exact opposite of the day after the World Series. Uh, day after the uh, not World Series, MLB All Star Game. Yeah. Day after the All Star Game, you have no sports games. Sunday had all four major sports. Yeah. That's a beautiful time. Not the Sunday after the All Star Game. Sad. So real quick, we want to get started with a. Sh- uh, Shout out to uh, the North Carolina Courage, who this week won their second straight National Women's Soccer League championship over the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, I don't really, I don't really follow this league, but I know that's where most, if not all, of the women's national team plays. So shout out to the local NC Courage. Yeah, go on, girls, y'all do that thing. I honestly, I think the crazy thing is that Chicago beat them in the regular season three times. And then they came out for the championship game after sweeping through the playoffs and just crushed them. It was 4 nothing. That's a Chicago team that has Julie Ertz in the back line. Uh, if you've watched any women's soccer, especially the World, Cup, or the World Cup for the females, Julie Ertz is about as solid as it gets defensively. And they put up four goals on that back line. That's nuts. This is their third championship in four years because in 2016 they were the Western New York uh, and they won the championship then as well. Uh, and then, not to mention, they came in second in the National uh, Champions Cup yep. against all those different international teams. So that was a wonderful achievement. They've got 107 goals over two seasons. The next best team has 80. That's impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have a hell of a team here. Well, speaking of championships, uh, Major League Baseball wrapped the World Series last night. But yeah, the Nationals won their first World Series in franchise history. They defeated the Astros 6-2 in Game 7. Uh, the Nationals, who started the season 19-31, and 31, completed a miraculous comeback on their way to the championship. 
Uh, starting pitcher Steven Strasburg won the World Series MVP after two great starts, including an eight and one third, seven strikeout, and two run performance in Game Six to save the series. Um, seems like this year we've had a, a couple of uh, worst to first stories. The St. Louis Blues yeah. were bottom of the league. They win the Stanley Cup. Very bottom of the league. Yeah. Uh, the the Nationals were fourth from the bottom in all of majors, and here they are, national champions. Yeah, well, it, it helps that they went against a Houston team that relied heavily on Justin Verlander, and the dude's 0-7 in World Series games. He's got a, he's got a, a 5 six, eight ERA in the World Series, and that's awful. I mean, the regular season he was 21-6, and six, right? He had a 2.58 ERA for the regular season. He was solid through the entire postseason. The World Series came, and he literally just pooped on the diamond. It was awful. Yeah, so... Well, I I will admit that I did not really have a dog in this fight just because of, like, I've just never been much of a baseball girl, but... Which is weird because my brothers played, but um, I did. I was kind of keeping up with the Astros just because of Alex Bregman. LSU great, so... I was a little sad, but eh, it's all right. Well, there's also a lot of people around here cheering for the Astros because the Woodpeckers are a minor league team for them. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody knows I'm an Indians fan. I can't really cheer for the Astros, so I was happy to see the Nationals win. Yeah, I'm a Giants fan, so I would root for the AL if my team's not in it. (laughs) Naturally, I just I don't want another national team to win it. But the Astros were the best team in baseball. The last three years, they've accumulated over more than 300 wins. Like, they're, they're on a meteoric run for the regular season. Uh, obviously, last year, they didn't make the World Series. Boston was just ready. And then this year, they get it was a great series. It was seven games. It was a three-run difference for the total. The only problem is is that every game was a blowout with the exception of game one. Yeah. All of them were blowouts. It was awful baseball. And I, for me, I like traditional baseball. I don't like the shift. I think small ball needs to make a return because this is what happens when you rely too heavily on the home run is you have blowout games that still at the end of it is a three-run three, three run differential to determine who's the best team in baseball. It's ridiculous. Like, can you hit singles and doubles and run people around the bases, or what are we going to do? Yeah, where, where's the nail-biter? Yeah. Yeah, the first inning, that was the nail-biter. <laughs> Twelve pitches. Yesterday, the NCAA Board of Governors dropped a bombshell when news broke that they had voted unanimously to immediately consider updates to bylaws and policies for the 21st century. This is in regards to the athletes' names and image rights um, and very well could lead towards uh, allowing players to profit off of their image. We've talked about this quite a bit when California passed their Fair Pay to Play Act. And, I mean, generally speaking, we're in support of it. Um, I'm curious to see whether the NCAA actually takes this next step or if it's just going to be a whole lot of talk and not a lot of action. I think the the thing that makes it interesting is that the NCAA didn't say they were going to change their rules specifically. They passed the idea of it, essentially. And they're, what they're doing is they're sending out basically a memo to all the member conferences mm-hmm. and saying, you guys come up with rules and we'll see how you guys do. So it honestly, it, it could be something that comes to fruition, and these players actually get you know accommodated for their their names and likenesses and all that stuff. But I feel like I don't know, maybe the Pac-12 or like maybe the Big 12, they're just gonna put something real stupid in their bylaws that's gonna shoot the whole thing down and then push it another ten years back. 
this could be a really good thing. But giving the conferences the power to write these rules kind of takes the onus off the NCAA. Like, they don't have to be the ones that take the heat if it doesn't go through. Because they're like, oh, well, we gave it to the conferences, and the MAC just ruined it. And like, sorry, guys. Like, I mean, no offense to Heather, but I feel if anybody's going to mess it up, it's probably going to be the SEC. Uh, they kind of tend to be the more traditional conference. Um, so it, it's see what you can't see is me like staring daggers at you right now. Actually, the video does work now. Oh, great! Because <laughs> I also do have a letter opener too. It's oh. dull, so it'll hurt more. But I mean, I mean, the SEC has come out pretty adamantly against it, as have people like uh, Dabo Sweeney. Um, Whereas California passed the law that's pushing this. Yeah, but you got to think too, like the Pac-12 has a couple schools that are all private and having to shell out money to use their likenesses on stadiums and stuff, that's that's not going to sit well. You would think that the SEC knows that as much money as they make and as long as they play, I mean, SEC teams across the sports generally make it pretty far into the season before they're not heard of anymore, you know. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think the NCAA was smart by giving power to the conferences to change their rules. And that, you know, again, if, if it doesn't work out, the NCAA will be like, no, we passed it. We said, we said go do it. Uh, it's, I think it's cool, though. I think hopefully they can bring back the college video games. That would be a wonderful addition to everybody's life. I still have NCAA 13. Well, you need 14 because that was the best one. It was better than Madden 20. <laughs> Uh, I, th- I well, think 13 is the one that had not RG3 on the cover. Well, an angle that I saw um, when the news broke of it is um, something, too, that has that is going to kind of muddy the water a little bit is when you get governmental officials getting involved in that, too, because you have people like Senator Burr, who's... Uh, looking into taxing the value of the athlete scholarships as income if mm. they receive such compensation. So that's another kind of angle that, you know, is going to play into it as well is, is what are these government officials going to say, okay, oh, well, what's income, what's, what's not, you know, what's taxable and what's not. So yeah. It, yeah. Politics ruins everything. It's, they do. It's, I think the NCAA did the right thing by passing this. I mean, they were feeling some pressure from some states passing similar laws, especially with California. Like, they weren't going to get rid of the Pac-12, you know. So it was smart for them to do this. But, yeah, there's it's. I think it's a long way off. I don't think it's anything that can happen, like, next season. All of a sudden, players are getting royalty money, and, and I think it's a lot further away than that. Yeah, I think they said the earliest we'd be looking at is 2021. Uh, and I think that's a stretch anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? The college football playoff expanding to six teams? Because then 2021 <laughs> seems realistic. The NFL trade deadline passed uh, Tuesday without much in the way of big deals. Uh, rumors swirled that Washington was ready to trade Trent Williams. The Jets were shopping Le'Veon Bell and several teams might ma- be making a play for A.J. Green from the Bengals. But at the end of the day, the only real significant move was the Rams trading Aqib Tlaib to the Dolphins at a salary dump. Yeah, the Dolphins bought a fifth-round pick. That's what they did. They bought a fifth-round pick. You know, they'll get a pick in return. They're not going to sign Aqib Tlaib after the year. 
He comes back week 15, so he'll be able to play in week 16. He's not going to play a down for the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was a smart move for the Rams, and it was a smart move for the Dolphins. But Aqib Tlaib, if anybody wants him after the season, he's still going to get paid. But he's never going to play for the Dolphins. Uh, and it still doesn't address the fact that the Rams really need offensive line and linebacker help. Like it was, There were linebackers that were available. Offensive linemen were available. Trent Williams. Um, it, but ultimately, Trent Williams didn't go anywhere. No, he didn't. He didn't go anywhere. No, and teams are looking for so much value now for for top tier players. Uh, it's hard to get a team to buy into it. Uh, maybe Dallas could ship it because Jerry Jones just throws money at problems. Um, but yeah, it was it was, a, it was quiet. I was sad actually. I was hoping for some some blockbuster move that wasn't Jalen Ramsey miraculously hearing healing from his back injury so he could go play for the Rams. <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like there was a lot more build-up uh, or bigger trades in the build-up to the trade deadline than actually at the deadline. Well, yeah, and every time the Patriots get rid of a guy that makes the news, it's a big deal. But Martellus Bennett, when he yelled at the coach and he wasn't happy with, I don't know, winning, uh, so he was upset that the Patriots were crushing everybody and their defense is the number one in the NFL. He just really didn't like that. So, you know, they're not going to take that, so they let him go. And now he gets to go to the Cowboys and just be a turd and yeah, make three tackles. Yeah, and and I mean I'm the Browns. I'm literally just I'm literally just sitting here thinking about how Mac would be so angry and upset of what we are talking about, and he is not here. Listen, I've I've listened to a lot of Mac talk. Okay, he said some <laughs> wild things. Said some wild things. And hey, the Browns made it through a trade deadline without forgetting to submit paperwork. Yeah, that's actually amazing. That should be the biggest story, honestly. Well, you guys have a new front office now, too. You've upgraded a little bit. Well, let's look at last week in the NFL. Uh, We had three games that we picked, and they didn't exactly go well for some of us. Um, We all picked Carolina over San Francisco, and that was definitely the wrong choice. The Niners beat the brakes off the Panthers 51-13. The Packers survived the... Mahomes list Chiefs winning 31-24 in Arrowhead. And the Patriots took care of the Browns, which we all knew was going to happen, uh, winning 27-13 in Foxborough. What stood out to you guys last week? Well, I saw um, that that my boy, my baby, OBJ, is kinda, he's kind of come to the defense of Baker. And he's like, you know what? I know what it's like, you know, when people want to say, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's Baker's fault, you know, whatever. Um he was like, you know, hey, you know, it's not all on one person, you know, like he's like, you know, yeah, he's got to play better. Um, but he was like, everybody has to play better. You can't just put it all on him. He's like, because that's just super easy to do. And he's like, you know, I've been there. I know what that's like. Yeah. And so it's really like, hard well, to be successful. I appreciate that. It's really hard to be successful when an O-line is letting guys through that easy. Uh, yeah. OBJ is not saying anything different than what he was saying when he was in New York. It's a similar situation. The team around him is not very good. Even when he's getting the ball in volume, he's not going to make that much of a difference. Uh, the The Browns are dumpster fire. I'm not going to lie. Like they, they've got they've got coaching issues. They've got uh, you know play calling issues. They their scheme is is awful, uh, and it doesn't help that the offensive line is the bottom of the league. Like it's it's not a good not a good situation for anybody and the problem is is they have all these talent talented guys at the skill positions 
but it doesn't matter because they yep. don't do the fundamentals right. Baker Mayfield could throw for 400 yards, 120 of them could go to OBJ, another 120 to Jarvis Landry, and it's not going to matter. Well, we do have a much easier schedule coming up, so maybe we could start to work on some of those fundamentals against lower-tier teams. Uh, one of the things that's led to the two and what are we two and five uh, is the quality of teams we've played. We've we've played the Niners, we've played the Ravens, we've played the Patriots, we've played the Seahawks, the Got Rams. Blown out by the Titans, who are bad. Okay, I'm just saying that game should have never happened. That's bad. Well, listen. Well, the only reason I brought up the OBJ thing was just like I think that's good on him. To be, you know, to back his QB, but at the same time, you know, like still kind of lift the guy up a little bit because, you know, like Baker is probably he's probably taking a lot of the criticism to heart or whatever. And so, like, like that's that's why I brought it up, because I think I think you definitely need more of that, especially on these young quarterbacks. I mean, you you need to support the the anchor of your team. Yeah, Um, it's better that he does that than like. Headbutts a kicking net, uh, and it's also better to do that than to cry in front of the media and say that's my quarterback, that's my quarterback. Because I mean that's the next step. That's the rational next step for OBJ. Uh, Baker did get into a feud this week with Tony Rossi or Grossi, a uh, longtime Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, reporter, and. Who knows? Maybe that'll be enough to get the chip back on his shoulder because we all know that's when Baker plays best, when he's got something to prove. I mean, the hype train was so real, I feel like the whole season should have been enough to motivate him. But maybe the reporter asking a really dumb question uh, will be enough to push him forward. But, uh, Heather, I did notice that your QB was back. Ah, yeah, he was. I was so happy. And it's almost like he never left. Uh, right? Um, but what I did think was really cool, though, I think it was in the fourth quarter, I want to say. Um, you could hear people going, you know, Teddy, Teddy. So that, like, that was cool. Like, So the fans, you know, made sure that Teddy realized. But yes, not everybody was him. I wasn't. I, <laughs> of course. I, no, I, no, I'm, listen, I root for the dang Saints now. Chill, chill out. I like Drew Brees. I had Patrick Mahomes on my fantasy league. I had to draw, I put him on my bench because he's hurt. So I picked up Teddy Bridgewater because he's been balling. And then he doesn't play the week I can use him. Well, let's jump into the picks for this week. And before we do, quick update on the standings. Heather and I both went 1-2 and two in the NFL while Mac went 2-1. and one. Uh, we all made the same picks in the NCAA going two and one. So that brings the standings to Heather and I tied at 21 and 14 and Mac a game behind. He closed in a game and he's 20 and 15. Uh, so turning to the picks of the week, we won't, we won't pick the Niners Cardinals cause that one's going on as we speak. Uh, but yep. Niners are up, uh, 21, 14. Yep. The Cardinals just, just scored. Uh, we've talked about how good the Niners' defensive line is. I'm sure that number two overall pick, Nick Bosa, is chomping at the bit to get after number one pick, Kyler Murray. Uh, San Francisco's a 10-point favorite. Josh, what are your thoughts on this game? So, 
I don't buy into the Niners being as good as their record. Their offense, last week was the first time their offense looked like a Shanahan offense, uh, and that was because the Panthers talked a lot about how they could win and then didn't really show up. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he had 175 yards passing last week. That is not elite offense. That is not undefeated team numbers. That is not, we're going to win. They ran gimmicky things. Uh, Tevin Coleman put up a monster game on the ground with three touchdowns, 107 yards. But the week before that, he had double the carries and 67 yards rushing. It's not a consistent team. Uh, Arizona could win this game. They're keeping it close right now. Their defense is not talented, but they're opportunistic. They're in the right place at certain times. The Niners' defense, yeah, they're good. Whatever. Like, that's fine. Wait till the playoffs. We'll see how really good they are when teams are giving it their all. Like right now, teams are going in there, doing whatever, and then leaving. So, I don't know. I I want I want the Cardinals to win this game, but I, I don't think they will. Heather, what about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, kind of the same. Um, but Cardinals are, what, three or four? Uh, three, four, and one, yeah. I believe, because they tied yeah, the Lions in Week One. Oh wow, let's 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 put that on their resume. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say, uh, let's see, I'm gonna go Niners. Like I, I get, I feel like Josh is biased on this, but I, I, I like Niners. Josh has no bias. I grew up watching the Niners training camp. Thank you very much. I did have San Francisco going into this game. Obviously, we're not going to pick it, um, but we'll include those picks when we put the graphic up. Um, Chicago heads to Philadelphia as the 3-4 and four Bears take on the 4-4 four and four Eagles. Both of these teams have had some questions at quarterback. Um, I'm not completely sold on Wentz, and Trubisky's just Mitch. Um, but the Eagles are a five-point favorite and seem to have found a running game last week. Uh, combining for 218 yards and three touchdowns uh, as they top the Bills. Uh, Heather, will that be enough to overcome the Bears' defense? No, I don't think so. I really don't. Um, it's just... See, what's so funny about this stupid game is that I hate the fan bases of both, so that's really why I'm just making my pick is just based off of the fan base that I hate the least. So... Um, yeah, I just, <sighs> I'm going to have to go with the Bears. Oh. Josh, what about you? Okay, so the Bears score 18.3 points a game. Okay. The Eagles give up 24.9. I do have questions about Carson Wentz, but their running game is back. Their defense is middle run. They're not super good, but they still have some guys that can make some plays. Graham, Nigel Bradham, some guys in there that can get it done. The Bears are awful. <laughs> they are awful. That 18.3 points are. per game. That the 18.3 points per game, like how did they score more than 18 points? I, I don't remember that happening this year. Uh, what I do remember is Mitchell Trubisky being just awful. He is just as trash as Cowboys fans. Uh, okay, but wait, no, though. But here's the thing, though, is that the Eagles, what, they allow 24 points a game, 25 points a game. Yeah, so, 24.9. I mean, yeah, but they give up, so like, but here's the thing, they give up 273 yards through the air, but they're only giving up 90.5 yards a game on the ground. So is Tariq Cohen at five foot six 
just going to put up 300 yards rushing? No, the Eagles are going to win this game by 20 points. Easy. Well, but you don't think that the injury that the Eagles have right now is going to do anything? That's not gonna no. Against the Bears? No, the the know. Bears the Bears should be put, bad game? No, they should be tanking. They have they've had a bad season. They should be tanking for a top quarterback. They should be looking at like Jacob Eason or something from, from college to coming out of the draft. Like they, they need to tank. They're bad. Their defense can do whatever. Khalil Mack can get a bunch of tackles. It doesn't matter. They're they're bad. They're back to being the Bears, which makes me very happy. Okay, well listen, I will say though about the Bears in defense of them is that their losses have not been that bad. What, they lost to the Chargers by one. They lost to New Orleans by, what, nine? And then they lost to Oakland, which I get it, it's Oakland, by three. Whereas the Eagles, they lost to Dallas by 27. Mm -hmm. A division rival, yeah. And they lost to Minnesota by 18. And they beat Green Bay, who's the second best team in the NFC. Well, they, they beat Green Bay. That was a couple of weeks oh. before that. But still, can I'm we, just saying. Like, can we talk about losing to the Chargers because your field goal kicker sucks? Like, <laughs> like come on. I'm like, just saying. If that's, your, if that's your problem, you're not going to win this game. Bad. I'm just, I'm, I'm an eternal Okay. No, that's my job on this show. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I... I I'm taking the Eagles on this one. I think their run game is going to is gonna help them prevail over Chicago. Up in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins has really started to show up in more recent games. Uh, he has a 6-2 and two Vikings rolling into Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs, who are again without Patrick Mahomes. The game's dead even, according to the line. It's a pick em. Uh Josh, I'll give you the first swipe there. So Kirk Cousins looked like he was about to do Kirk Cousins. You like that thing? And then he kind of, you know, reverted to the mean last week. He had 285 yards, a 60.4 QBR. Right? Did he score? Any, did he throw any touchdowns last week? Nope. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, Dalvin Cook carried it 23 times for 98 yards. Uh, Stephon Diggs had 143 of those receiving yards. Stephon Diggs is one of the most inconsistent receivers in football. Like, yeah, this seems like an even matchup, but that's only an even matchup because Kansas City has no defense. None. So Kirk Cousins might have a really good game, but on the other side, you've got an incredibly talented Chiefs team. They can run the ball, they can throw the ball, and it really doesn't matter who's in there at quarterback. The The receivers are going to be open. Their scheme is just so wide open. Andy Reid's going to run a triple reverse that doesn't end up getting the ball in anybody's hand and then throw it to the tight end for 58 yards. Uh, I think the Chiefs win this game. Uh, I thought that the Chiefs put up a fight last week against Green Bay. They probably should have won that game. Um, yeah, I think the Chiefs win this, and I think they win it by at least seven. Heather? Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs also as well. We've discussed this before. My stepdad's a big KC guy. But, um, yeah, I just think that I think the Chiefs are really looking to – I don't want to say they have something to prove, but I guess maybe just trying to salvage kind of what they have left going on because, you know, they started really great at the beginning and then just, you know, it just kind of went to shit there for a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs are going to, with it being at Arrowhead too, I think that that's going to be a good thing. That's going to play into it too. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to disagree with you guys, though. I, I've got Minnesota in this game. I think the, the the lack of defense on Kansas City's side, coupled with the the lack of Patrick Mahomes, who's really just the spark on that offense, I think I think Minnesota can do enough to win. It may not be a pretty win, but I think they pull this out. I mean, that's fair. I mean, Kansas City had one pass defense last week. One. One. Not for one for a player. One for the entire defense. One pass defense. Granted, they got to Aaron Rodgers five times, sack him five times, right? So that was pretty good, especially because Green Bay's tackles are pretty stellar. Uh, I would say top five tackles in the league. Uh, and they got some pressure outside, so that's you know, it's telling for the defense. The, the defense can get after it, but they can't defend the pass. So if Kirk Cousins goes out there and does his thing, sure, Minnesota can win this game. I just I don't think they will. Well, finally, for the NFL, we've got the 5-2 and two Ravens playing hosts to the undefeated Patriots in Baltimore on Sunday night. Uh, this has a chance to be a really good game. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram move the ball pretty well on the ground, uh, which is a weak point for the Patriots. Um, the, the Patriots' defense, though, leads the league with 19 interceptions and four defensive touchdowns. They were actually, I believe, outscoring or at least tied with the teams that they've played. Uh, I think it's, they've allowed four touchdowns and they've uh, scored four touchdowns. Uh, Heather, can Jackson break through this defense, which is pretty much obliterated first and second year quarterbacks this year? Nope, absolutely not. And I, y'all know I hate giving the Patriots any kind of credit for anything, but... I mean, we all do. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't. I mean... I get it that Jackson's got the speed and the agility, um, but at the same time, like the Patriots thing is just, it's just a beast. And I just, I, I don't think that. So. What about you, Josh? So uh, Baltimore's talented. They've got some good receivers. We don't know if Hollywood Brown's going to play in this game, but he's super speedy. <laughs> Jackson's really good at throwing the ball deep. Um, the Patriots have Stephon Gilmore. He's really good at making sure that doesn't happen. Hollywood Brown might be able to run by him. Uh, I have to look at this game and kind of compare it to the last time I saw the Patriots play an athletic quarterback. (laughs) They could use his feet to get out of pressure, run a little bit. That was the time they played the Chiefs in the playoffs. Right. How'd that go? Mm -hmm. Right? Not so well for the Chiefs. Not so well for the Chiefs. The Patriots' defense is better now than they were then. Yeah. They, they are phenomenal on the defensive side. And Baltimore's got a decent defense, but the Patriots are su- successful because they run a ton of crossing routes, and Tom Brady can hit a tight end or Julian Edelman eight yards down the field on a crossing route against the linebacker. Like, the, the Ravens aren't going to be able to stop that uh, as much as I, I would like that. I think the one outlier would be uh, the Ravens have Earl Thomas. Uh, at safety, and he's got a bone to pick with with the Patriots pretty much always. Uh, so he might, you know, be excited to make some plays. But he's one guy. I think New England wins this game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people might think it is. Uh, but I would still say New England's probably a, at least a six point favorite. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I don't think New England's going to lose this game. I don't think this is where their undefeated season comes to an end. Um, I think this might be the t- chance where. Uh, the, the Patriots' defense has allowed more touchdowns than they've scored after this game. 
but I I don't think the Patriots give this one up. I got I got New England. As much as that hurts me, I don't know which hurts me more, saying uh, Patriots or Ravens. As a Browns fan, I'm not sure, but it's it's the Patriots. I mean, Baltimore's well, leading receiver see... is Andrews. Like that's well, it's did not you a good see a um, little fun fact about the Patriots and the new kicker that they have hired? Uh, Nick Folk. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to know the last time he played? Just but take I, a guess. It's got to be now. Like granted, he was years. he was an eleven year NFL vet. Yes, he, he, he has played in the NFL before. But can you just take a gander when he last played? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, it's had to be at least three years. Negative. Uh no. He uh he last played uh in March. Uh. In the now defunct Alliance of American wow. Football, ah yeah, against the where he made a league record fifty-five yard field goal for the Arizona Hot Shot. Well, he will go down in history as the longest kick in the AAF, <laughs> just like Spurrier will go down as the winningest coach in AAF history. Listen, I just. All I really want out of that whole thing is, like, New England, like, every time he makes a field goal now, to be like, hey, you know, what was it? Nice shot, hot shot. Is that what it was? <laughs> From the commercials? So, so like well, let's turn to the uh, NCAA. Last week featured another big upset as number five Oklahoma fell to unranked Kansas State. Uh, this marked the third time in as many weeks that a 20-point underdog, or unranked underdog, defeated a top-10 team. Uh, the loss doesn't necessarily shake up the playoff picture as it stands now, but it does impact who's watching you know, next week's LSU-Alabama game closest. Um, what, what were you guys' takeaways on that Oklahoma loss? Jalen Hurts looked like there's a reason that he didn't start at Bama anymore. I mean, it... Oklahoma, they they had Kyler Murray, they had Baker Mayfield before that. Now they have Jalen Hurts. Like they've had a wealth of talent at quarterback, but uh, they they still aren't the best team out there. They're not an unbeatable team. They play in a conference where anybody TCU could win that conference year in year out. It's I mean TCU beat Texas this week. Thank God, thank God TCU beat Texas. Okay. Yes, thank God. You should not be cheering for that because that <laughs> makes your win over them look worse. No, I, I just, I just, anytime Texas loses, I'm happy with it because I hate Texas. Actually, no, it, I hate their fans. Let me, let me say it, that. It doesn't so. make it that much worse. They're number one. I feel like the voters looked at that and were like, nah, it's still good enough. Um, elsewhere in the league, uh, looking at our picks from last week, Buckeyes took care of business at against Wisconsin, 38-7. Justin Fields had two passing touchdowns and added another on the ground. Uh, J.K. Dobbins rushed for 163 yards and two more touchdowns, while the Buckeyes held the Badgers running back Jonathan Taylor to just 52 yards and no scores. Uh, Chase Young had another great day, recording four sacks and forcing two fumbles, and there's actually some fringe talk that he should be in the consideration for the Heisman. I know generally they don't give defensive players that but i've heard that pop up a lot this week after that performance it's it's been a while since they have but it's not like he couldn't i mean the, the problem is is 
there's a lot of really good offensive players making more of an impact uh, for their teams. So I think that's why it's hard to have a defensive player get in there. But, I mean, like, Woodson did it. He's a defensive back. Like, it's, you know, but he was otherworldly as well. So, I don't know, whatever. Ohio State should have won that game, but they shouldn't. Taylor Taylor should have had a better game. He should have gouged you guys' defense. It was Wisconsin that's the second week in a row that I've seen them just not perform. I don't, I don't know what's going on in that locker room, but something's happening because it's two weeks in a row that they, they just didn't didn't play like themselves. Sure, OSU's got a defense, whatever, but they they should have. <laughs> I mean, we've only got uh, – we're only turning out edge rushers. Yeah, but I know. mean, Wisconsin only runs the ball. They have like 40 running backs on their team and like two receivers – that's all they do is run. They run every year, and they can't run the ball. Uh, come on, get out of here. Heather just rolled her eyes. I did. I did. Uh, the surprising game last week outside of the Oklahoma upset was uh, Notre Dame at Michigan. Uh, in the midst of a downpour, the Wolverines finally won a big game, downing the Irish 45-14. Uh, Notre Dame, who had potentially the most to gain from Oklahoma's loss, squandered it away in that storm and uh michigan bounced back from their penn state loss and could be looking at a new year's six bowl despite early predictions notre dame is the most overrated team in the history of college football okay notre dame barely escaped usc with a freshman quarterback no receivers and a hurt running back Okay. Notre Dame should not have been number nine in the country. Notre Dame could go 0 and 16 for the next two years, and they would still start the season in the top 10. Notre Dame has no business being there. Uh, Brian Kelly is not a good coach. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has trouble in big games. The reason that Michigan dominated this game is because Notre Dame's not that good. It might be Brian Kelly's fault. It might be Brian Kelly's fault, but Notre Dame wasn't the big game that Jim Harbaugh needed to, to win. He's still got to beat Ohio State. Michigan, uh, this wasn't a big game. This was a game against a middle-of-the-run team that just got ranked high. Yeah, and, yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, here, and the thing is, it's like, Michigan is not that good either. So, like, I just, yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, we've been saying that this whole time, is that yeah. Notre Dame is horrifically overrated year in and year out, and... We always get to this point, what, for the last, at least the last, like, five, six seasons where we're just like, why do they continue to start each season in the top ten? And they don't do shit. They literally do not do shit later on. And it's yeah. just, ugh, so aggravating. And But, yes, Harbaugh did get his win that he did kind of need. So, good for him. He's, he's still going to be homeless at the end of the year. Yeah, he's I don't probably know. Probably going to be homeless and jobless. Yes. Uh, last week's game of the week between Auburn and LSU proved to be a very good game. LSU won a close one, twenty-three twenty. Um, Ohio State transfer Joe Burrow, as we like to refer to him on this show, uh, he looked solid but not spectacular. He threw for three hundred twenty-one yards. He threw an interception and he passed and ran for a touchdown each. Uh, with the win, LSU's third against teams that were ranked in the top 10 at the time. LSU jumped Alabama to take number one in the polls. Um, Both LSU and Alabama 
our idol this week, setting up what is likely a one-two matchup next week. What do you guys? Yep. What are you guys' thoughts on the game, Heather? Yeah, I'm gonna let Heather talk uh, first. Oh, you're gonna let me go first? Oh, that's so nice. Well, uh, LSU is your team. Well, yeah, I know, but I figured you know. Well, no, it's probably good on y'all because I tend to kind of take over when me. Um, no, I do. Um, I think that this is going to be another. Uh, really good game. I don't think that we're going to have as many errors, at least on Joe Burrow's part, because um, the field probably is not going to be sloppy fucking wet like it was this last time. Um, but I, I do think that this is the first time in a long time that Saban is probably going to bed thinking about LSU, you know, and potentially, you know, the potential problems that the new offense is going to pose for his defense because he hasn't had to worry about that for the last, what, six years? I think that's what it is, six, seven years. And so, um, and I know that he said that Tua is still, you know, a game-time decision, um, but kind of like what you were, when we were texting, you know, yeah, I do think that that's kind of just playing mental fuck-fuck games with Coach O. Um, And so, yeah, and, and the thing about this game is that it's, the, the big thing about this game is that it's all mental for both for both sides. It's it's a total mental game. Yes, um, but um, because... what are your thoughts on LSU Auburn? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about LSU <laughs> Alabama. Sorry. No, we'll be previewing that one in depth next week. Okay. Well. Okay. All right. Well. Well. Okay. Anyways. Um. No. It was a yeah. The like I said, the field was nasty, and that just wasn't that didn't played very well with it for us but um no it was a really good game it was a slugfest between defenses and uh it, it went exactly as i thought it would because typically the lsu auburn game always goes like that it's always you know somebody's taking a shot and then it answers right back so it, it definitely was a really really good game i was not disappointed josh you have anything to add uh, I've been a huge Ed Orgeron fan for a while uh, from his days at USC. Uh, I'm just really happy that he lets Jake Burrow make mistakes. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah, whatever. He's got a degree from Ohio State. He doesn't matter. Ohio State yeah. transfer Joe Burrow. Yeah. I hate he, uh, y'all. <laughs> do not. He, Josh, I'm, I'm glad do not. I'm, I'm glad he's letting him play. Drink right? that flavor aid. Do not drink that flavor aid, please. Uh, I'm just really glad he's, he's like. LSU hasn't had a dynamic offense. They've they've kind of just like pounded people and then thrown it where necessary. Uh, to see LSU do that, especially against an Auburn team, who I don't think was as good as advertised, but they still play LSU tough. Um, yeah, the field conditions were awful. Uh, they were all over the country though last week. Yeah, it was last week was bad weather wise for a lot of college and the pros. It was. Kind of just ugly, but no, it was, it was good to see LSU get kind of a, a signature win against another SEC opponent. Even though I don't think Auburn's that good, uh, you know the the voters did, so that's really what matters. Well, let's take a look at this week. It doesn't feature the marquee matchups that we've had recently uh, outside of Florida Georgia, but we'll talk about that one in a minute. Uh, four of the five. Four of the top five ranked teams are idle this week, and the fifth is number four Clemson playing perennial powerhouse Wofford. 
Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Super funny thing about that is whenever I was doing my notes, I accidentally clipped, clicked on that, like, matchup. And uh, would you like to know what the matchup predictor percentage is on that game? 999 point nine. Ninety nine point seven percent to point three percent. So but, it was just. It, I'm sorry, that cracked me up. So I feel like the coach, like the, they, the coach, put in a vote for that one. So. But outside of Carrier. the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, there's this is a chance for the Pac-12 to shine. Um, two of our four games of the week are in that conference, which we had written off at the end of September because they had all suffered a loss in the first month of the season. Um, but a couple of them have started to slowly climb back into the, the, the edge of the playoff picture. Uh, so let's start with Oregon and USC. The game is in Southern California, but the duck, the 7-1 Ducks are a four and a half point favorite. Uh, Oregon is ranked 7th heading into the game and could be looking at returning the Pac-12 to the playoffs for the first time since 2014. Uh, They do need some help, but with top 10 matchups in three of the next four weeks, they might get it. Josh, break this game down for us. Who do you like? Oregon damn near lost to Washington State. They almost lost to a spread offense, right, in Mike Leach's system. Justin Herbert got He's got a good record. He's got 21 TDs, one interception on the season. Uh, you know, 68.3 completion percentage isn't pretty, but that's Oregon. You know, they they haven't changed their offense since Chip Kelly was there. They fire off cylinders, fast team, speed everywhere. Their defense, they're like the Chiefs. Their defense isn't good. Uh, and if anybody can take advantage of that, it's USC. USC has incredibly fast receivers. Uh, Keaton Slovis, their freshman, true freshman, uh, quarterback who's replacing uh, the injured starter. Uh, he threw for 406 yards and four touchdowns last week uh, in a team that they probably shouldn't have beat, but they did uh, in Colorado. USC is scary good, but I need them to lose this game. Oregon can lose, and they should, but I think they're going to win this game, and I think it'll it'll be a good thing for the USC. I also don't think Oregon's going to make the the playoff picture heather um i also picked oregon um i am aware that usc um are pretty are they are four and oh at home um after they've uh, that started after they played uh arizona so um I, I understand that it's really hard to go into the coliseum and and um you know that's a really kind of a hard environment to go into um but they are uh but the ducks um, they're ten- they're rushing pretty well right now. Um, Travis Dye is supposed to be coming back um, after he took a helmet to helmet shot, um, and uh, both Travis Dye, Travis Dye, and Troy Dye. Oh, I didn't realize they had two dies on there. Anyways, um, they were both cleared for the for the game. So yeah, I I, I see Oregon doing this one. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think USC's got it in them to win this game. Um, I think I think Oregon is going to do enough to stay on the edge of that playoff picture. I don't think that they make it, but they'll at least be in the conversation for it. 
On the other side of the Pac-12, number nine Utah heads to Washington. Utah was an early favorite for the playoffs, but fell to USC in Week Four, and that seemed to have knocked them out. But they've they've climbed back up into the thick of things. Um, they seem to be headed to a sh- towards a showdown with Oregon for a potential playoff spot. Heather, what do you think? Um, I because I was big on Washington at the beginning of the season. I remember, I remember that. Um. I don't know. I just this is one of those games where I was just like, eh, I don't really care. Like as long as they both show up, I hope both teams have a good time. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at with this. I just hope they have a good but time. I just hope they have a good time. Um, but if I'm if I'm gonna be forced to pick one on this, I'm gonna have. Where are they playing again? That's how that's how interested in this game I am. They're in they Washington. Ooh. <laughs> eh, I'll go with the other purple and gold on that one. So we'll, we'll go Washington. I'm not going to get off that train just yet, but I'm still like just I'm in the snack car at this point for them. So Josh. Uh, Utah may not make the college football playoff or have a chance because currently USC is in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South. If USC wins out, which obviously I already picked against them, but if they did win out, Utah doesn't go to the, the Pac-12 championship game. It won't matter. This isn't the SEC. They, it's not Bama, right? It's Utah. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. Utah's offense is not very good. Uh, Huntley, oh God, bottom 20 quarterback. Just not very effective. He's got 1778 yards on the season, 10 TDs, an interception. Uh, but they're they're efficient. He's completing 73.1% of his passes. Utah's defense only gives up 10.3 yards or, point, or points a game. They only give up 56.4 rush yards a game. Washington relies heavily on the run game. They have since they had Miles Gaskin. They've always been a team that rushes first. Uh, the transfer from Georgia, Jacob Eason. Uh, he's he's all right, you know. Washington's got some skill position players, uh, but I think Utah's defense is too good, and I don't think Washington has a chance, even at home. I I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be like a fourteen thirteen kind of score because Utah can't really score points either. Uh, but their defense is too overwhelming. You're going to see a lot of field goals out of Washington, and that won't be enough. Yeah, I'm I'm with Josh on this one. I think I I think Utah's going to pull this one out. Um, I think they will probably end up meeting Oregon for the Pac-12 championship. Um, sorry, Josh, you want USC to lose? I do. Yeah, uh, it's a rough thing. I just want that coach gone. Well, this is w- one more step towards that. Uh, Utah. College game days in an unlikely spot this week. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, where seven and one Memphis will host eight and zero SMU. SMU's ranked fifteenth coming into the game and seems positioned for the New Year's Six Bowl, but Memphis looks to play spoiler to that as they enter the game a six-point favorite at home. Josh, can SMU continue their surprising climb up the rankings? I'm not going to say they're going to climb. I think. They're going to sit pretty idle. I think we're at that point in the season where teams like SMU that might have a really good record uh, and play teams really well, they're not going to go anywhere because the level of competition is just what it is. Memphis may be their toughest game, right? Uh, Shane Bouchel, the transfer from Texas, he is playing the lights out. He's fantastic. Um, 
you know, they score 43 points a game, 504 yards a game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but, like, Baylor did that for a while. Texas Tech, right? Were those guys ever going to break in the top, you know, eight teams in the country? No, maybe Texas Tech or Baylor because they played better competition. But then again, when they were good. And in a conference that people care about-ish? Well, sort of. But when they were good, Texas and Oklahoma weren't. So, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see them moving up. I think SMU can continue to win and put up big numbers. But moving up, it might be rough. Heather, who's your pick on this one? Um, I'm going to go SMU on this uh, just because I feel like they've kind of stamped themselves as one of the favorite um, schools in the group of five to go into, you know, go be whoever's whipping boy in the Cotton Bowl. Um, so <laughs> I, I kind of... <laughs> that was true. I mean, um, yeah, but I mean, and they've also scored, what, they've scored at least 37 points in every game prior to the Houston game that they played. So I just I, I think that I, I think that's going to be too much for Memphis. I don't, Memphis isn't. Like, yeah, like they were good. What a couple years ago, but like ever since that like kind of fluke season, and yes, that's what I'm calling it. It was a fluke season. I just I just don't. I I, I think SMU. It, it kind of like what Josh was saying. Like like they're okay, but I mean just the caliber of their schedule. Like, it doesn't necessarily make them, like, super awesome. But, you know, so I've got SMU on this. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think Memphis will uh, ride that home field advantage. This may be a little bit of a biased pick because the team that stands the most to benefit from SMU's loss is Appalachian State uh, because they're the next of the power uh, the power five or mm-hmm. big five, group of five. Group of five. Uh, group they're of the five. next it's one five. in line for that New Year's – uh, six bowl and as we know um, they beat Michigan as a D2 team so I, I have a soft spot for what is the best team in North Carolina right uh, now hands down the best team in North Carolina um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Memphis in this one and finally Jacksonville Florida is the site of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party a neutral site game between the number six Florida Gators and the number eight Georgia Bulldogs this game hasn't been close lately with the 2013 being the last time it was a one score game um, Georgia leads the rivalry 52 43 and two and enters as a six-point favorite Florida with backup quarterback Kyle Trask has had good has had a good season falling only to Heather's LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge three weeks ago um, Heather I know that you're kind of just hoping for the stadium to collapse but I mean, what do I you see in this game <laughs> well Saturday um, is kind of a bit of a reckoning um, actually for both teams uh, because basically it's pretty much who's going to kind of decide SEC East. Um, so it, uh, looking over kind of the season as a whole, like the Gators are playing a lot better than the dogs are. Like um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're better than Georgia on Saturday. Um, but I just, I feel like Florida right now is just in an ascending program right now. Um because, I mean, they've cobbled together a 7-1 record despite all of the injuries to include their quarterback. So, in Georgia, if and for Georgia, like, they have to win on Saturday. Um, 
it's I don't know I just to kind of I guess really to salvage the season a little better than what how it started because I mean again you know Georgia again goes into a season with with high hopes and something happens around this time and it just falls to shit so um now I get it that Fromm is what eighth in touchdown passes right now um and so like yeah something like that so I just I I think for me personally I think it's I think it's gonna be Florida right now what about you Josh who did Georgia play last Kentucky Kentucky yeah, Jacob Fromm against Kentucky was 9 of 12 for 35 yards and a 6.5 QBR. They won that game because Georgia's defense is pretty good, right? Florida is ascending. Uh, I think Trask is probably a decent quarterback. Uh, Felipe Franks I didn't think was. Uh, I didn't see much from him last year. I saw him talk a lot. And then that first game came out and just kind of looked awful. Uh, he bounced back, but they also opened things up for him a little bit more. Uh, I think Florida should win this game uh, based on, like, talent. Uh, but I think Georgia is going to win this game because of defense, and they desperately need to. Florida, I still thought, was two, three years from competing in the SEC. Uh, Georgia expects to be there at the end every year. So I think they want this more, uh, and they're they're going to win this game based on defense. Uh, it's not going to be from being phenomenal. It's not. He's not a world beater. He's got nine touchdowns and three interceptions. Like, all right, Mitchell Trubisky, chill out. Yeah, I think. I mean, if you look at what Georgia's done, uh, they they lost to South Carolina. They played a close one to Notre Dame, and that win is looking worse and worse as it goes. Um, mm-hmm. Florida's only loss of the season was a back and forth game that was actually a lot closer than the score indicated against LSU. Uh, LSU mm-hmm. only pulled away in like the final quarter of that game. It was yeah. Florida's leading, LSU's leading, Florida's leading. It was just back and forth all game. And yeah. I mean, yeah. my in-laws would, we've talked about, it, they'll, they'll kick me out if I pick against them in this game. So I'm going Florida. <laughs> Which brings us to our college football playoff rankings. Um, let's start with the first two out. Josh, who's on the outside hoping for something to break their way? Uh, honestly, I think whoever comes out of the Pac-12, the Pac-12 champion should be five or six. Uh, right now, it's a three-team race. Oregon is pretty much going to decide that this weekend, if it's a two-team race or not. Uh, I think Oregon is on the outside looking in. Uh, and I think Penn State's on the outside looking in. Uh, I, I would say like maybe Florida, if they win this game, or maybe Georgia could, could sneak in in that five or six spot. Um, but I don't need to see three SEC teams. So for me, it's, it's keeping it to two SEC teams and going from there. Heather, who do you have on the outside? Um, for my two that I have on the outside looking in, is and it's kind of interchangeable for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Clemson and Oregon. Uh, that's who I have on the outside looking in, just because, kind of like Joshua Josh said, you know, like Pac-12 again. It just I I think they just not they're not gonna do it. They're just mm-mm. and then yeah. Clemson. I Clemson has been 
really disappointing this season. I'll say that. I'll I'll go out there and say I know that they're ranked four right now, but they're just. I think for the for who they have for the rest of the season going forward, it's just not. It's not impressive to yeah. me at all. Yeah, I think how things stand right now, I've got Florida at number six. Um, and I have Clemson at five. I thought I was going to be the only one putting Clemson outside of uh-uh. just because it, it's kind of hard to justify them not being in the top four when they're national champions and haven't lost, but they just haven't looked impressive. Um, they, they've, they've done enough. They had that close game against UNC, but they haven't been dominant across the board like some of these other teams have. So I have them at number five. That's that's fair. I, the only reason I leave them in the in the playoffs is because they are the defending national champs. They haven't lost. Yep. Uh, yet Trevor Lawrence looks like crap. Uh, but that, I mean, come playoff time, Trevor Lawrence could do what he did last year and just light it up. I mean, something's off with him. I don't know if it's mechanics or just the way they're running things this year. Dabo Sweeney's a smart guy. I have to put Clemson in the playoffs. Heather, who do you have at number well, four? Um, in my number four, I have Penn State. Yeah, I do too. I think they've, I, I they've got really a... like. I just really like what they've done with their season. Yeah, like, I really do. I think they've got a better body of work than say Clemson or Florida do. Um, they're they're still undefeated. Obviously, that's going to come down to that game in the horseshoe uh, on mm-hmm. November twenty third. Um, so I've got Penn State at number four, Josh. I've got I've got Clemson at four only because they're the defending national champs. If if they weren't, Penn State would be right in there. Yep. Uh, I although I do I don't see them winning at the horseshoe. Uh, at number three, I have Alabama. Um, I think Alabama has been solid. Um, I don't know that they've been spectacular. And I don't know that they've been as well-rounded as the teams that I have at two and one. Uh, Josh, what about you? I like what you what you did there. I do. I respect it. Uh, I have my own reasons for not going that route. I really want to do the same thing. Uh, but I'm sticking with Ohio State at three. Uh, I think it's good for college football for Ohio State to be the third best team in the playoff. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really good. Uh, but at the same time, Justin Fields is lights out. Uh, Dobbins is lights out. Uh, amazing defense as always. It's like Urban Meyer never left. Uh, but come playoff times, what's what's Justin Fields going to do? Yeah, that's that's really my only question: is how is he going to perform when the lights are the brightest uh, and they get matched up with an Alabama or an LSU? Like, what's going to happen at that point? I think the Penn State game is going to tell us a lot mm-hmm. um, because Penn State is obviously the second best team in that conference. So. I think that'll tell us a lot, but I until I see it from him, I'm not going to say that he's going to just be a phenomenal quarterback in that situation. Heather, your third? Um, well, Timothy, I'm going to need you to stop looking at my paper because um, I also have Alabama in three. <laughs> um, just because of, like, right as their season stands right now, they, like, who the fuck have they played? Like, really? Like, none of their wins are super impressive. And going forward for the rest of the season, okay, so they have us, obviously. And then what maybe, maybe Auburn might give them a little bit of trouble. Not like what LSU is going to do, but I like that's really going to be their two big games for the season. Um, I personally, I like, I don't think, I don't necessarily 
I'm not a super big fan of the idea of them being number three, but unfortunately that's just how it is because it's Nick fucking Saban and that's what happens with the playoff committee. They they love Alabama being in there, but I really don't like it being there. No. But it is what it is. Josh, give us your top two. I'm going to give you my top two in order. And Heather, don't take this the wrong way. LSU's number two. Alabama's number one. And here's the thing. The only reason I'm doing it like this is because when Alabama's in the hunt and a team's number one, that team loses to Alabama. That seems to happen every time. The the safest bet, I want LSU to come out on top, uh, and I think the only way they do that is if Alabama's number one and they get going into this thing real cocky. Uh, and so, honestly, so, so you you have you have Alabama at number one because then they can't ascend to anything. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And therefore LSU would win. Well, and and the thing is, them and LSU, like yeah, Alabama hasn't played anybody. They played like Jefferson County Correctional Facility twice, right? Like they they haven't played anybody, but they're Alabama. It's a Nick Saban coach team. They still got Tua, right? Even when he comes back, it's not like he's going to regress. The dude's a phenomenal quarterback. They have skill at every position. They're fantastic. They are equally matched with LSU, right? And until they play, we don't know who's better. Fingers crossed LSU wins, right? Uh, but to say that their schedule isn't good, like that's like saying the Patriots' schedule isn't good. Who cares? It's the Patriots. They're going to win. So I'm going to put Bama at one. Uh, they were in the championship last year. Uh, and if they don't have anywhere to go and they can look down on everybody and say we're number one, they're vulnerable. Look at last year. Heather, what do you got for your top two? Um, well, I'm just going to say that Josh is entitled to his wrong opinion. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I do have um, I have LSU 1, and then I have Ohio State 2. So, um, just How much does that I hurt think, to say? Well, I mean, I can't. Obviously, I'm not going to root against my team. But I think when you look at... The wins um, on our schedule versus Alabama's schedule, I think ours are a little better. They look better on paper. And then we, too, also have the, you know, potential of us going to the SEC championship game and being each other's only loss, essentially. So once once we get past that, so say, like, say Alabama wins regular season, but then we go to the SEC playoff, and the or, or SEC game, and then, you know, we pull it out there. So then, you know, I think, and then, then you know, and then I, I'm hoping that the playoff committee then takes the rest of the season into the into account. Um, but then I do have Ohio State um, as two because uh, you know you guys have looked just dominant on the field. And um, but I do I do think that your big big test though for Ohio State will be. Penn State for sure. I think that's that's going to be your guys' probably big big test this year. So, so yeah, yeah. So that's who I have. I, I wrestled with one and two quite a bit when I was putting my notes together. Um, I think LSU has the better body of work so far, um, but Ohio State has looked more dominant around uh, on on all facets. Um, I, I think I think they they have the stronger defense and stronger offense. They're, they're a more well-rounded team. So I did drop LSU to two. Um, I, I'm 
it's a very close one. It's like one and one A or one A one B, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. These these teams are close. I just I think OSU's got a better all around team. So LSU definitely has the better schedule so far. Um, they've beat three top 10 teams and that's why I really wrestled with it. But I think OSU's the better team. So I've got OSU one and LSU two. I don't. Um, can I just say if, if it came to a playoff game between LSU and Ohio state, it doesn't matter if Ohio state's the better team. LSU is going to win that game. I promise. I really want Ohio state and LSU to meet in the playoffs because this podcast will explode between Mac, Heather, and I. (laughs) So, but before we go, let's take a quick look at the local sports scene. Uh, Fayetteville Marksman continued their strong start by taking both games on the road last weekend. Uh, They beat Knoxville 3-2 on Friday night in Tennessee, and Saturday they handily defeated the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs 5-1 in Roanoke. Uh, Brian Bowen. That's still my favorite team name ever. Just right? Totally uh, my favorite. Brian Bowen had three goals over the weekend. Danny Tyrone, the marksman goalie, leads the SPHL in with 108 saves. Um, heading into this weekend, the marksmen are 3-0-1. Um, their seven points had them at the top of the SPHL. They're sitting in first place, uh, and they've taken points in all four games. Yeah. Um, because hockey, you get a point if you lose in overtime. Uh, This weekend, they host a couple of home games against Pensacola. Friday night is their Halloween and hockey night with in-stadium trick-or-treating. And Saturday at 6 is Woodpeckers night, uh, where they're partnering with the local minor league baseball team. So that'll be fun, and they're playing in custom Woodpeckers-themed jerseys. They look awesome. Those look so dope. Uh, They only play one game next weekend, Friday the 8th in Roanoke, but congratulations to the Marksmen for their strong start. We look forward to supporting and covering them. I'm going to, I'm trying to get to a game here soon. Um, What about you guys? I I think we need a hometown crowd night at the, at the Marksmen. Yeah, we do. Um, You got to get a box though, like popcorn. You got to do it right. (laughs) But But I I don't know what kind of bougie things thing he thinks we run here but we don't listen we'll be lucky we'll I be lucky if we're like us a box it's fine listen we'll be lucky if they let us like in the door right oh, they love me they love me there um but that'll bring tonight's episode to a close be sure to follow us on all social media at hometown crowd on facebook twitter and instagram uh, you can email us your questions at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com josh thanks for joining us this week filling in for mac Um, Pleasure. For Heather, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Make good life decisions.